Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Welcome back, Imp Nation. I got a great one today. A new friend, not an old friend, but a new friend for me. I've got Devon Rob here with me, who uh, we haven't spoken yet, but I'm telling you just for the first two minutes that we were warming up, this is going to be a great one. I'm pretty fired up about it. Devon in the, in the house. What's up, man? How are you? What's up, Tom? Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. What's up, Imp Nation? All right. So, all right. Give me, you know how this goes. Give me the storyline of how you wound up at UVA, how you told Duke and UNC that they weren't worthy of you and your services. So give us the scoop. Sure. You know, so I come from a small town, come from Hopewell, Virginia, you know, and even at UVA, I love telling folks I was from, I was from Hopewell. You know, people often say I'm from Richmond. Like, no, I'm from Hopewell. There's a difference, you know? So um, grew up playing sports all my life. Um, funny thing is growing up, I was a huge Florida state football fan and a UNC basketball fan. Um, and then as I started, you know, to, to, to grow in the, at high school, um, UVA came into the picture. They started recruiting me, uh, you know, and the funny story is, you know, Tom, so I, I ended up walking on at UVA. Um, for me, I, I know I had I had offers from smaller schools like Richmond and William and Mary, but um, I know I wanted to play on a big stage. Um, but the crazy thing is, is that chances are, if I would have gotten into the University of Maryland, I probably would have went to Maryland. I took a visit to Maryland. I liked it, um, and I loved UVA as well. Uh, but you know, to me, I I, I enjoyed my time with uh, the coaches at Maryland. But I'm thankful how things operated because UVA was definitely the the better place for me. Um, but I laugh at it. When I look back at it. I'm like, how in the world do you get accepted into UVA? You don't get accepted into Maryland. Clearly, there was a reason for that, but no, I definitely made the better, uh, better decision on that end. I think they call that divine intervention. And uh, don't worry, because we have editing capability, I'm going to take out that part about UNC. We'll leave in the part about Maryland, but we'll take that other part out because we don't want anyone to think that you had clouded judgment when you're, you, you know. I hear you on that one. The funny thing is, though, I'm not a you know, UNC fan anymore. And even Florida State, I call them the uh, Florida State criminals, you know. So, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to um, my, my alliance, uh, you know, I still have the UVA, you know, blue and orange in my blood without a doubt. So how did that work out? You walked on the football team. When was tryouts? How did that play out? So I was what you call a, a recruited walk-on, you know. So for me, um, you know, when I was in high school, Mike Groh, who was the uh, quarterback's coach at the time, uh, he was uh, the recruiting coordinator, at least for my area. <clears throat> you know, so he stopped by my high school a couple of times. Um, they came to a couple of my games. You know, they even uh, brought me one of my teammates out to the to Wake Forest football game my senior year. So I was being recruited by UVA. It just wasn't um, offered a scholarship that year, off, really because the two guys they offered a scholarship for for the tackle in the playing in, in the uh, NFL with uh, the Brickshaw Ferguson and Brad Butler. You know, so those guys are extremely talented. You know, and I wasn't selected, but you know, for me, 
Um, Coach Grove said I'll be a recruited walk-on, so I didn't have to try out anything. I came in that summer. I was working out, played with the team, and just blessed us to be there for five years. Well, you don't realize you just did this. You just offended Imp Nation or part of Imp Nation in a big way because you referenced Mike Grow as a coach and not as a player. So, like, literally, you just called half of Imp Nation old. Old. You just did that. Gosh. So that's all right. You know, we're, we're going to keep that one in because that's your true colors. You just, you know, you're offensive. I got it. Cool. So when, so then how was that experience? Tell me about it. Oh, the playing football was, was amazing. I tell everyone to this day, playing football at UVA and being a student at UVA was by far one of the best experiences I ever had. You know, it was just the memories you have with the guys, not only on the field, but off the field with barbecues and cookouts and nights out and things like that. Um, you know, the memories I have from, from imps, you know, with our fellow imp mates and, just going out and hanging out and having good times with dumb meetings and, and and really picking on the Zoomers and whatnot, you know. So UVA by far, I would say, was one of the best decisions I had, and I, I look finally back on it. Well, then we got to stop right there. We're gonna we're gonna go out of order from what we usually do here. You have some stories, I can tell. I can tell there's some mischief in there. Come on, bring it on. Uh, no, well, I'll first start with you know, let's say when uh, from an imp side when they uh, when they tricked me and brought me in. You know, so it was um, Molly Sullivan from Women's Lacrosse and Jen Silvers. You know, Molly uh, called me and said, hey, uh, hey, you don't know me, but I'm on the Women's Lacrosse team and we need to talk because, you know, uh, one of your teammates, you know, did something to one of my teammates and she's very upset about it. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what, what happened? You know, so they come pick me up um, and we're in the car and they give me this whole rundown of like how like he really did something really bad and the teammate, her teammate was in their room crying and whatnot. So we're going to... Um, the guy, you no, know, the guy then you know, to talk in, and we're going to the college in. I'm sorry, we're gonna go to college in and to meet with her. And in my whole mind and, and head, you no, know, Tom at the time, I'm thinking, coach is going to kill us when he finds out what happened. You know, it's like there's no way you can't keep this from him. You got to tell him what happened. You know, so I'm just nervous and scared about what we're gonna have to do and all this stuff. So you know, the door opens at the college in, and they'll show up like Rob Dovon, Rob Dovon. I'm like, like. One, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? But two, I'm relieved that something really didn't happen. And it was funny, too, because well, when they asked me, hey, what was going on through my head? I told them, I was like, I was worried about what our coach was going to do. And they're like, your coach, not the police? I'm like, funny thing is, no, I wasn't worried about the police at the time. I was more worried about Coach Grove running us to death and whatnot. So that was definitely um, something I really remember. And there's so many other more stories that some I can't tell on here and some that I can't. Well, you know, it's funny you're talking about fearing your coach more than the police. I used to feel like that way about my dad, right? Like, you know, forget about the principal at school. Forget about anyone else. You don't want to tick off your dad because the punishment is way worse. Way worse. I, I, I tell folks all the time, yeah, I was better outside the house than I was inside the house. Because if I was misbehaved outside the house, you know, I called my dad the warden. You know, so my dad would have killed me if, he, you know, if I would have did anything that would have shamed him or brought him embarrassment outside the house. So, okay, so take me through some other stories there. What what else is going on? Imp, non-imp, what do you remember from your days? I mean, it's just so many things, you know, um, even standing along with the imps, right? I remember, like, my first, when I went to coordination, I was invited, you know, um, before I joined, you know, became an imp. And it was crazy because get the invite for coordination and tell you, you know, what village you're from. So I was, so when I got the, the invite from the, for coordination, I was from the Little Rascal Village. And anybody that knows me or sees me, like Tom back then, that was probably like my second year. At UVA, um, so I was six eight, you know, two eighty, two ninety, and I'm from the Little Rascal, you know. So it's kind of funny to me. So of course, you no, know, I'm, I'm dressed up as Little Rascal, and uh, my date who was with me, she was for cheerleader. So of course, she was naturally small, you know. So 
We go to coordination and then something happened with one of my teammates where he had to go to the hospital. You know, so I leave coordination to go meet up with my teammates at the hospital and I walk in dressed like alfalfa and they look at me like, what the heck are you doing? You know, where are you coming from? You know, so that, that was one story. When, when I got into the, um, when I was initiated into the EMPs, um, our first, my first coordination ball there, of course, the Zoomers had to show up. So they showed up with water bottles, you know, so I went over, you know, literally snatched one off the neck, broke it, moved them outside. Um, and of course, you know, they're talking all this smack of how we're better than you. And I don't know why you joined this organization. You know, you should be, should have been a Zoomer. And to me, they're sounding like, you know, you've seen like those old school movies where, you know, the nerds all have this high pitched voice and whatnot. That's what they were sounding like to me. Um, you know, and then, you know, well, they said something to the point like, no, it's, it's okay, but we're going to grab another one and, and come back in. And apparently, like, I really don't remember it, but apparently I gave them some look like, no, let's say like Debo from Friday. I looked at them and like, I wouldn't do that if I was you. And apparently, you know, <laughs> the fear of God kind of been on their face and just walked off. And then I was just, that was when I definitely knew I didn't I didn't want to be a Zoomer, as we always chit-chat, you know, so definitely some I mean, vibes. can you imagine that Zoomer walking <laughs> in and going toe-to-toe with a 6'8", 290 dude with muscles from, like, here to there? Oh, my God. We had some good times with Zoomers. Even, um, I remember Bo Greenwood once found out they were having a meeting, so we all snuck up, looking inside the window at that meeting, and then, you know, we made some noise, and they all just took off and like okay like we didn't see who was all in the zoomers whatnot so yeah we definitely um had our fair share of good times with the zoomers isn't it hard to believe that the university was okay with hiring bo greenwood to a position doesn't that like does that like make you wonder about the hiring process there gosh what well, i mean maybe bo had an uncle or dad that worked for the university or maybe he was i don't know maybe the president university was his like uncle there had to be something there because there's no way they could know what that kid did in college and now is still working at the university right you know i I will say this do i have some stories on bo yes but bo has some stories on me as well so i would not say any i would plead the fifth when it comes to bo greenwood but no like bo is definitely a a great friend a good friend of mine no definitely somebody who i confided in a lot um, when I was there at UVA and, you know, the, the funny thing is now, since we're all on the other side of it now, you know, now I look back at it, like, yeah, I wonder what was, what were some of my coaches and, and professors like back in college? Cause knowing what I was like, chances are they were the same way. So. Yeah. It's like the one thing I know about, at least in our little imp circle, it's like, it reminded me of when I used to learn about the cold war with the United States and the Soviet union and they had the nuclear bombs and the, you know, assured mass destruction. So that's what it is. It's like everyone's safe in the imps because <laughs> you've got a story on everybody and everyone's got, got a story on you. you. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So uh, when did you decide what you were going to major in? Oh, uh, so that's a funny story. Um, you know, so in high school, I loved math and science. I hated reading. wasn't wasn't a big fan of reading, and you know, and I'll try to even still grow in that today. Um, so going into UVA, I wanted to uh, do engineering. You know, so that first semester, I was in the College of Arts and Sciences, and I transferred into engineering um, the spring of my first year. Uh, you know, I was in it for about two or three years, and if I can be honest with you, I tell everybody, to me, engineering was Mike Tyson. I was Pee Wee Herman. I did not stand a chance against it. It, it, it really kicked my butt, um, kicked my butt to the point where honestly, like, I had to take, take a semester off, you know, sort of fall of my, what would have been like my fourth year. I had to sit out for a semester so my GPA got too low. Um, and then I came back in the spring and I transferred to uh, anthropology. You no, know, not because I wanted to be an anthropologist, but that was the only thing I could transfer to and still uh, play football at the same time. 
gosh, that's too funny. Yeah, I was like that on every every major too. It's like <laughs> I, I couldn't hide anywhere, man. I couldn't couldn't hide anywhere there, unless there was like a a drinking major or lunch major or I don't know. Maybe there was a phys ed major I could have gone with, but that would inquire like. Oh, I'll tell you, if, if there was an eating major back there, I would definitely would have made a major in eating back then. I, I love eating everything from fried chicken to pasta to. No, that's back then when like McDonald's first came out with the uh, the dollar menu. So I re remember my favorite order from McDonald's. It never failed. I would go to McDonald's and order two McDoubles, two McChickens, two apple pies and a large sweet tea down in about 10 minutes and still be hungry later that night. It was, it was just a given. Dude, you were six, eight, 290. Like that, of course you were eating like that. You, If you ate like that today, it's like you'd be trying out for the nutty professor role in, the, oh, in your next movie, right? Oh, definitely. People call me Sherman, 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 without a doubt, you know, because, yeah, I mean, I, I even joke around, like, I, I probably should have put you no know, box stock in the college gym back then because, yeah, you know, I eat three meals in, in a day and then at 10 o'clock, I'm ordering from the college gym like a chicken parmesan sub and some onion rings for french fries. So, yeah, eating back then was definitely a hobby for me, for what, sure. What were, your, what were your places that you liked? College Inn, well, uh, you mentioned just the, that was the, the imp hangout. And then was it, you didn't have Chinello's probably by the time you got there. Chinello's wasn't a plate. Well, uh, where else did you like to eat? So definitely was the College Inn. You know, one place that me and my dad would go all the time after a football game was Wood Grill, you know, because it was a great buffet. So I would I would definitely destroy Wood Grill. Um, but honestly, for me, it was just something like the regular places. You know, I, I would go to, you know, eat fried chicken at the, I can't think of the gas station back there, but no, the fried chicken from there, or you no, know, I would go to, um, you know, of course, McDonald's and, and, and the other places, but I was just kind of a regular eating guy. So wherever there was food, that was there. If it was called, you no, know, if we need, if we're going to the white spot, you no, know, at, at two o'clock in the morning, you know, so I could uh, get me a, a burger with an egg on it, I would do that. You know, if we're going to Little John's, so I'd get me a sub at two o'clock in the morning, like to me. And the great thing about it is you said, you no, know, hey, you know, New York former athlete, you no, know, we could eat horrible back then, horribly back then, but it didn't matter because our metabolism was just so, so so fast did you have a favorite at little john's did, a go-to uh king i probably, I probably tried everything because I, I literally eat, ate anything and everything back then so i was all about exploring and eating whatever i could no i would no i would can't remember what the the, the go-to self was then yeah you know it's funny I find that with Little John's, people usually had two or three different go-tos, not one go-to. But with Bodo's, they usually have one go-to, which is kind of odd. Did you do the Bodo's thing when you were there too? I didn't. And that's the funny thing. It's like, I know, you know, yeah, it's a question no, on the sheet. Like, I really didn't go to Bodo's that much. I, I remember one time I did go to Bodo's and I, I, I saw a fellow in person there. Uh, it was Inga Jorgensen. And she was joking on me because this was when we came back from a bowl game. We went to Boise. You know, so we went to Boise and the quick story there, you know, Coach Girl took us snowmobiling. So, um, you know, when we get there, the, the snowmobile instructor says, hey, FYI, we didn't get a whole lot of snow, so it's pretty icy. So stay, make sure you stay uh, close to the cliff, um, you know, because that's where you can get the most traction there. One of my teammates, uh, Elton Brown, said, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm staying out because, you know, he, he said stay close to the cliff. I should have been with Elton did, but did I listen? Nope. So I kept on going. Um, so got on the snowmobile, went up the, went up the hill, went up the mountain and whatnot. Um, I got stuck on ice. Uh, so then one of the instructors came, helped me get unstuck. I went about hundred, hundred yards, got stuck again. And the game back came over and said, Hey, stop being scared of it. Give it more gas. So of course me being this prideful 20, 20 year old, 21 year old, whatnot, I gave it some gas, went flying. He's like, there you go. So I'm coming to a curve. I turn the steering wheel, still the steering wheel turns, the snowmobile doesn't. Go straight off the cliff. Uh, I, I am like, now see, I'm going off the cliff, right? So I'm thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? So like I jump off the back of it, 
I immediately think of uh, Sylvester Stallone and Cliffhanger. Okay, so I'm going down this hill trying to see what I can find. I see a branch. I grab the branch, and that, that's the only thing that keeps me from going down the hill. Snowmobile keeps on going down, hits the tree. Long story short, I can't practice to play in the game for the rest of the week because I have a bone fatigue on my leg. You know, so I you know come, get back to campus. And I'm at Bodo's, and I remember Inga saying, you know, I, re- I was telling folks a story, and Inga's like, "Oh, that was you." She's like, "Yeah, I was on the plane, and the whole sto- the whole plane was t- talking about you about the incident." I'm like, "Oh, great! I'm, I'm glad I'm a huge story now." But um, that's the way to become famous, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, some people like just do epic stuff, create like inventions. Maybe they're good, like athlete or whatever no you basically made your name by the uh snowmobiling accident i love it i love it yeah and the funny thing is you know, we we're at the um at a pep rally for the bowl game later that week and uh pat hill the, the first state head coach came over to me and was on crutches he's like were you the guy who went off the cliff i'm like yes sir he's like yeah i heard about your incident so i told my team we weren't doing it like <laughs> you ruined it for every generation thereafter <laughs> i love it i love it i love it cool so then um like you told me about your imp days. How did you end with football? Was it a good fourth year? What What do you remember from that? No, so football was great. And like I said, I had to take off, take out that, um, take off that fall of 06. Um, technically, I'm sorry, it's the fall of 05. So that would have been, you know, my fourth year. I didn't play that fall. And crazy enough, that was a fall that we beat Florida State at home. Oh, uh, uh, that was so awesome. It, it was, no, but um, I came back the following year for, for my fifth year and, and played and finished out there. And it was a great experience. You know, to me, um, and not only was it about playing football, it was about being in the athletic department and, 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 and as a whole, you know, just the friends I was able to make from all the different teams. You know, it's like one of my fellow um, inmates or, you know, who was in, initiated with me, her name was Meredith Lazarus. Um, Meredith was on the uh, women's lacrosse team. So for me, I've never seen a lacrosse game until I got to UVA, you know, so um, with Meredith being on a women's lacrosse team, I started going to women's lacrosse games. Instantly became a fan of uh, women's lacrosse. That's when, you know, back when they had Amy uh, Pelton and so many other stars there and they were winning national championships. And then I was at a women's lacrosse game and someone said, well, you know they can hit in man's lacrosse. I was like, what? You know, so I started going to the man's lacrosse games because I didn't know they could be physical. You know? So that's one thing I tell folks as well. If I would have had lacrosse in high school, I definitely would have played it because I would have wanted to be like the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks. I didn't want to care about scoring. I just wanted to delay somebody out. That's probably what I would have wanted to do. Yeah, I just had uh, just interviewed Tommy Smith, um, who was a great lacrosse player back in the day. And I was joking with him, like lacrosse is organized mugging with sticks. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly what that's about. You know, it's like the soccer players. We love that. Like the whole idea of having a, a stick in your hand and being able to whack somebody. That's that's super appealing to us. And, and it's legal. You know, there's, there's nothing about it. You can literally whack somebody's arm and bruise it to death. And it's, you can, it's just fine with that. You know? yeah, so, not only is it legal, it's encouraged <laughs> and applauded. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. No, but also, too, I said one of the big things from, I would say, being a student athlete, I was heavily involved in community service. And, and about that. Things. I, want, I want to hear about that. Tell and, you me. know, so uh, I really enjoyed it because you know, I first got involved, um, you know, I think the first time was I went to a local elementary school, you know, so they were always asking student athletes to come out and do different things. So I went to elementary school and, and Tom was fun. You know, I enjoyed talking with the kids and the kids, you know, to them, every you know, student athlete you is a huge star, you know. So I, I went in there and you know, they asked me to, you know, sign this, sign that. One kid asked me to sign a Peyton Manning jersey. I'm like, I'm not about to you know, depreciate your jersey by having my you know, having my name on it. <laughs> Another kid asked me to uh, you know take a bite of his cookie. Um, you know, so it was it was definitely a great time, you know, just getting involved in, in the community there because that's one of the things I've learned, um, even from though know, as an administrator now, is that oftentimes when people come to games, they they really 
don't come all the time just to watch the game. They come to watch the person. And that's one of the things. So when you get involved in community, you get involved on campus, you know, a lot of folks come to football or field hockey or swimming or whatnot because they have somebody on that team that they want to support and they come to cheer them on. You see, you just said something that shows the difference between an imp and a Z, right? So <laughs> you're at the at the high school or at the middle school and the kid wanted you to have a bite of his cookie. So you did it, right? Yep. If you were a Z, that Z would have wanted to put Purell and hand sanitizer on the cookie before they had it. That's why we're cool and they're uptight. That's a perfect example. It's funny now, you probably couldn't do that now today because people would be freaking out about COVID. COVID. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, that's cool, cool. So then, all right, let's transition a little bit. So you come out of college and you're now starting your world. What is that world looking like? No, so um, I when I came graduate UVA, I was selected to be an NCAA postgraduate intern. You know, so, and and that was pretty a pretty cool experience. You know, for me, in, even though there was some imp involvement in that a little bit, because I was actually at an initiation. We were initiating some new uh, members into imp, and I got the call that I got selected. You know, so I see the number on my phone. I thought I'm gonna take a step out. Got the call. I'm all excited, and I go back to you know to the initiation piece, but. Um, going to, to the NCAA internship was a, another great, amazing experience for me. You know, I was able to learn about the NCAA and the membership from a bird's eye view and see how everything operates. You know, you hear so many times, you know, on, on TV and radio today about the big, the big bad NBA, uh, NCAA and how they're, you know, punishing these student athletes and whatnot. And little do folks know that it's really the schools that run the NCAA, you know. So being able to do that, I was able to go to the Final Four that year down in San Antonio. That was when... Um, Derrick Rose was at Memphis and they played Kansas, you know, and Mario Chalmers hit the buzzer beater that year. So that was a great experience for me as well. So, no, it's that that really set the um, trajectory for my career. Um, starting there and then moving to, to Chicago and going to a Northwestern after that. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So then take tell me about Northwestern. What was that, like a two-year stint, one-year stint? Oh, so Northwestern was actually about four or five years. You no, know, so I went to Northwestern and I uh, was doing. Oh, you stayed. Five. You stayed after you. Okay, I got yeah. it. I got yeah. it. Go ahead. Yeah, so I was there at Northwestern for about four, uh, about five and a half years. You no, know, I started off as an academic advisor and student athlete development. Um, started off as an intern. They hired me on full time. Um, and also got my master's while I was from there. You know, so it's funny. You know, so people that are coming to my office, you know, and some of the folks listening can't see it, but you no, know, Tom, you see behind me, I got the UVA degree and the Northwestern degree. I'm like, oh, you're pretty smart. I'm like, I guess you could say that. You know, but um, did Northwestern for five years, um, working with student athletes there, and then I moved, went on to Lo uh, Loyola, Chicago, um, where I was assistant AD for student athlete development there, and as well as academic advising. And that's kind of where I got born to the administrative role. And I was board administrator for softball, you know, so I was, you know, the, the, the head coach of the softball team reported to me. Um, and I was able to, you know, really learn and grow as an administrator. And I, and I love that. You know, for me, my career goal is to be an, an athletics director. So I was looking at how can I continue to get to this end goal? Um, and one, one thing people always tell you is that when you go into academic advising and student athlete development, you can get pigeonholed, you know. So the opportunity at the Big Ten conference office came available. Uh, where I was able to be the associate director for football and basketball operations. And I was blessed enough to get it. And that was amazing. You know, working the football championship game, basketball tournaments, I worked the, uh, I worked the Elite Eight and Sweet 16 NCAA tournament there when we hosted it in Chicago. Um, and it was funny there because here at Towson, we just hosted our CAA um, basketball tournament. And I was holding the ladder while the girls at Mama's was cutting it. And our AD came. We said, no, you look no, no pretty used to doing that. My like, yeah, I did it at the Big Ten. But I say, imagine doing that for an elite eight game 
when your alma mater loses to Syracuse after they had a huge lead on them. Like, yeah, so there's a picture from me when I did it and my face is looking dejected. I'm like, yeah, that's because you just lost. <laughs> hey, can you like talk a little about what it's like the day to day for an athletic director? And like, can you give it like your interaction with the sports that you cover? Can you can you give me a little feel as to what that's like? Yeah, sure. You know, so for me, being you know, being here at Towson, you know, I'm the assistant AD for facilities and operations, and I love working in college athletics because no day is the same. You know, you know, now there's times, and my staff would tell you, where I'll literally be in meetings all day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and then you have 120 emails in your account that you got to try to get through. Um, but I love it because, you know, a lot of folks will tell you that you do it for the student athletes, which which I do. That, that's why I initially got into it because, you know, the narrative back then um, is still, in a sense, the same today, where a lot of folks say that college athletics just takes advantage of the student athletes. And I'm sure they're saying the same thing about you know, when you're a student athlete on the soccer team, Tom. Like, hey, this, the administrators don't truly care about the student athletes. They're just there to make money off of them. And for me, I wanted to show folks that, hey, you have an administrator that genuinely cares about you. You know, for the student athletes, I tell them all the, all the time, I care more about you as a man and a woman than I do as about an athlete. Um, and then I was at Northwestern being on campus that really showed me the importance of showing staff that same TLC, you know, that staff needs that same love and care and need to know that they generally uh, are valued as well. You know, so I remember going to a, a leadership conference and I heard uh, Horace Schultz, who was the uh, founder of the uh, Ritz-Carlton. He said, you know, they're asking him like, hey, Horace, the Ritz is known for it's such great, amazing and wonderful customer service. You know, what type of training do you all do? And he said, it's not the training and said how we treat our staff. Like our staff know that we genuinely care and care about them and value them. And in turn, they show that same service to the customers. You know, so for me, um, as an administrator, as an AD, I want to make sure that my staff knows that, hey, I genuinely care about you as a man and a woman. And in turn, hopefully they, they share that same type of service to, with our student athletes and guests and everyone else who comes in. And then if the ultimate goal in your field is to be the head athletic director at a university, What's that skill set? What's the what do you need to have in your resume to be in the conversation of those interviews when spots open up? No, I think that's a great question. I, mean, I would say it's changed tremendously, right? You no, know, if you look at it back in the day, most of the 80s back in the day used to be former coaches, you no, know, especially former head coaches. You no, know, so that's that's what it used to be. You need to have be have some type of coaching background. Um, and then there was a a, a huge phase where it was all about fundraising, you know, so uh, you have to be somebody who knows how to raise a lot of money. Um, and now it's at the point, it's all really depends on what a school is in need of at the time, right? You know, so some schools are in huge need of someone who can fundraise. Some schools may be coming off with some major NCAA violations. So they want somebody who has a, a great background in compliance or APR and whatnot. Uh, you know, so I think it's, it's really about what a school needs um, and what you can offer. You know, I definitely want to be somebody who's a, a people person. Who, who knows how to talk and get along with, with folks, with different people. You know, you want to have some type of knowledge, I would say, of fundraising, but you don't have to be a expert in fundraising. You know, I have a lot of good friends of mine who don't have that background, but they say once they get there, they say it's not as hard as some folks make it seem. Uh, you want to have a general knowledge of what's going on currently in athletics. You know, so right now, you know, the hot topics are, you know, you know NLI, I'm sorry, NIL, uh, we know that the, the transfer portal, those are some huge topics right now. And, and even how this conference realignment is really big right now. So you want to have some general knowledge about the, those pieces as well. And uh, what are some things you can do in regards to sponsorship? You know, so I would say those are some of the, the major key components for, for an AD. But also just like I said, this goes back to what the school is looking for at the time. So I've got to ask you the question. You might not know the answer, but I'm betting you do. 
So you're a UVA fan, right? In and out. And you understand the inner workings of how an athletic department works. So when you look at UVA, what are the things that would be for Carla, what is she needing to focus on based on UVA's situation? And I'm not asking you to know every nook and cranny of it, but just from like 30,000 feet, I think our listeners would love to hear, uh, you know, what, you know, what's a normal day to day? What are they worried about? What's their priority list? No, so I think, though, Carla's been doing a great job, you know, especially with you know, what she's been doing there in, in the, um, since, since her joining the staff there. You know, I will say with some of the capital projects they have going on, um, especially with some of the new football facility. Um, you, you look at, you know, a report that came out and how they ended up in, in, in the black and made, you know, had some uh, made revenue this past year. Um, we look at her leadership through the um, the tough time of, lo- of losing Devin, Lavelle, and Deshaun. You know, so she's doing some amazing things there and have made some, some, some great hires there as well. You know, I would say, you know, that's one of the things that any leadership book or a great leader would say is all about the people that you put around you. And she's made some great hires for senior staff um, as well as coaches, you know, so I'll say, though, what she's doing um, is definitely along you know, the, the, the right lines. You know, I know they also, they're starting that, they started in in that NIL um, group for the student athletes there. You know, they're getting involved in, in the community. They're doing different things in regards to professional development and preparing student athletes for life after after UVA, you know. So I would say what they're doing there is, is definitely along you know, the right track. You know, it's just definitely getting more support from UVA alums and, and, and other UVA supporters so they can continue to do what they're trying to do and get that, achieve those goals that they have. Yeah, you mentioned NIL, um, which is name, image, and likeness for those of you who might not be sports enthusiasts. But I think even if you're not a sports enthusiast, the story of NIL is super interesting. And I think the entity that you were talking about at UVA, I think it's called Cav Futures, yes, right? Yeah. Where they handle the NIL name, image, and likeness for the athletes. But imagine you're talking to an imp who's a, not an athlete, because there are a lot of non-athlete imps. Te- explain what NIL is. Yep. So NIL is basically an athlete's ability to use their name, image, and likeness to earn money off of that. You know, so it used to be you know, back when I was playing, back when you were playing, is that you know we could not make any money based off of us being an athlete for our, for our school or our sport. You know, so we could you know there was a jersey on a, our name on the back of a jersey. We couldn't make money off of that. Um, you know, if a, if a local restaurant or you know, or or business wanted to use our name for, for you know, to support them or as a sponsorship. But we couldn't make money off of that. And, and now student athletes are now allowed to do that. You know, it really all started actually back when I was playing uh, with Ed O'Bannon, you know, from UCLA. Uh, he, you know, he sued the, the NCAA because, of, you know, they were using his name, image and likeness on uh, the uh, NCAA basketball game. Um, you know, so that's how it all started and really dragged on for quite some time. Um, you know, but now you know, NIL is basically uh, what came out of that, basically allowing student athletes to make money off of whether it's you no know, a restaurant or a jersey or clothing apparel or whatever they want to do, they can now say, hey, you know, I'm Devon Rob, I played football at UVA, and I can make money off of doing that. So from a UVA perspective, is that a help or a hindrance compared to who they're going to be playing against and what their capabilities are to do that? And maybe not even their capability, their willingness to go in the gray. Because it's it is kind of gray right now, right? It, it is. I know. I think you know that, that's a great question, and I, I would say it's it's TBD, right? No, I think the hard part about it right now is that you have a lot of schools out there who have these huge collectives 
that no, you see stories out of time all the time where incoming freshmen are being offered millions of dollars from a from an NIL collective for certain schools, you know, or or how students, um, student athletes are what we call PSAs, prospective student athletes, are choosing a school just based off the NIL. Um, and, and I would say that's not the right decision, um, you know, because I would say you no, know, just choosing a school just based off how much money you're going to get, and those it's all about more about the experience. Um, so I think you no, know, right now for UVA, I, I would say CAF features probably. It's not at that point where some of these other larger schools are. Um, no, but I think they, they have the chance of getting there. But I also think, too, it's, it's all about what the school's values are. You know, and I've seen a lot of ADs, a lot of schools say, hey, we're not going to be that school that offers you know, all this money to, to, to a young man, young woman, um, just to come play sports here. Because if they're coming here just for the money, then that's not the type of student athlete that we want. Okay, I can't stop asking questions. I can't help myself. On this, but I want to. I want to change from NIL into transfer portal. Yes, I think that that's also interesting for people to understand the nuances of what's going on there. Do you mind just giving me a couple, a minute or two on that one? Sure. You know, so with the transfer portal, um, that's changed quite, quite a bit of deal as well. You know, and different folks fall on both sides of the line when it comes to whether they're for it or against it. Uh, you know, basically what it is. You know, let's say this one one again. Go, Going again back in the day where if you transferred, you had to sit out a year. There's a whole lot of different rules when it came to transferring and whatnot. Whereas now, um, you know, you don't have to sit out, sit out that year anymore. You know, if the school releases, you, you can go straight into the into the portal, transfer to a school, even within your own conference, and start playing immediately. Um, you know, and and I think you know, one of the major arguments for the transfer portal is saying, hey, well, you have all these head coaches who can leave and start coaching immediately. So why can't you see the athletes do it? Uh, you know, so that's you know, where it allows the athletes to do it. I think, you know, it creates some challenges for athletic departments and coaches because one is you never know what your roster might look like, you know, the upcoming year because you might have a student athlete that may look to this golden transfer portal um, without really giving you any type of forewarning or whatnot. And it's hard to when it comes to awarding scholarships or whatnot, that it's challenging in, in that forefront, in that front. Um, I also think at the same time that the NCAA could do a better job of just releasing data. Right. Because the hard part is you have a lot of man and woman, young man and woman out there who they have, whether it's their parents or their friends or their cousins or whoever in the ear saying, you know, they're not treating you right there. You know, you should go go elsewhere. The grass is greener on the other side. Um, and it's not, you know, so, you know, you often hear stories of where a lot of student athletes are going into the transfer portal and they're still sitting in the transfer portal because no no other school has picked them up. Um, you have you hear stories where student athletes have transferred to a school were there for a year and transferred to another school because it wasn't what they thought it would be, you know. So it's one of those things where, you know, I understand, you know, the reasoning for it and I see how it can be helpful. Um, but it's also been um, detrimental to not only universities, but student athletes as well. And I think there can be more data shared that gives better insight on why, how, or what's really going on. I mean, how good does it get the in podcast? Not only do I bring you the individuals to have a little throwback, but then I'm giving you current events. <laughs> making everybody smarter out there. And I know you guys need to be smarter. You're, we're not the smartest group. I'm just telling you right now. Mike, I'm in the front of that line. I, I will tell you, Tom, look, I, I'll probably be the same one. You look at my GPA from UVA, I'm like, ooh, what was I doing? Um, you know, but then at the same time, like I said, I have some, some of my fellow uh, you know, imps you know, who are like, I look at them like, wow, we got some smart ones out there. You know, like I said, you no. Know, I think about the the the, the mayor of Lazarus, the Lazarus is in the David Hobbs and whatnot. And some of those like, yeah, the GPAs were up there, you know, which was why the Zoomers. I think that's why the Zoomers really can't compete with us, right? Because we have the best of both worlds. We know how to work harder in the classroom. 
We know how to work hard in athletics. We know how to work hard and party hard as well. You know, so that's something that Zoomers really can't do. They, they can be able to do one of those three in a sense. Yeah. And I'd like just to correct you on your order of those. And I'll just leave that to everyone's imagination. <laughs> okay, cool. So, all right. So now what are you doing outside of work today? What do you do to keep busy? Hobbies? What happens when you leave the office? The, the funny thing is those, uh, that's one of the challenges of what I do now. There's so much time is at the office. You know, so even yesterday I was in the office from like eight and nine o'clock to eight o'clock at night, you know, but when I'm not you no know, working, um, I like to go to the gym, I like to work out. You know, I, I tell folks for me, um, working out is one of the ways I, I, I related to bad boys too, where no Martin said Woosah. You know, for me, working out is the way that I woosah. Um, so I like to work out, go to the gym. Um, I need to do more cardio. I don't do enough cardio. And, and for me, cardio is like cleaning the toilet. You know, nobody likes to do it, but you have to do it. You know, so um, I need to do more of that. Um, I'm involved in my church. You know, that my faith is something that's very important to me. Um, also, like just you know, spending, hanging out and spending time with friends. You know, so whether it's, you know, going bowling or, you know, checking out new things, going to comedy clubs and things like that, checking out movies. Um, I'm an only child, so I'm that person who has no problem at all with going to the movies by myself. Uh, you know, so just finding things that helps me just relax and declutter my mind in a sense. Yeah, I'm an, I was an only child and still am an only child. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, it's like we're the favorite of the family, right? That's nothing. Everyone always used to say, yeah, was it tough being an only child? Hell no. Not at all. No, it's funny because a good friend of mine is an only child. He turned about 12 or 13. And then uh, he had a little sister that was born. And I saw how, how his birthdays and Christmases changed drastically. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need any other siblings. No, give me all the gifts. Give me all the money. Um, the worst part is, though, is that my dad would come home and he'll say, hey, Devon, who had all the cookies? And I'm thinking, like, dude, if me and you are the only two in the house and you didn't eat the cookies, who do you think uh, you the cookies? Right. Yeah. You get like, you can't get out of that one, right? There's no one to blame it on. There's exactly. No one to blame it on. That's awesome. Cool. So uh, right down to the home stretch, you get back to UVA at all? Um, you know, so I don't get back as much as I like to. And I think, you no, know, the reason part of that is because just my, my schedule here, you know, so with being in athletics um, for so long, oftentimes in the fall, we got football, got fall sports going on, you got other events going on. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to go back um, last spring, you know, so I was a uh, site director, a tournament director for the NCAA uh, when uh, UVA hosted the first round, second round for the men's women's tennis championships, you know, so it was great being back there and, um, you know, being there and seeing how both of our teams were, were able to advance on uh, to the quarterfinals and then the man even went on to win the uh, whole, whole shebang, you know, so it was great being back there and UVA has changed a lot, you know, it's changed a lot since I've been back on campus, you know, so it's also been great to see the growth not only on campus, but in Charlottesville in general. Yeah, that's grown. That's grown. Okay, well, speaking about being being back there, I'm going to let you end up with you are strolling by the chapel. There is a meeting going on. You can't help yourself. You go in and you crash the imp meeting. What are you telling those kids today? Um, first, I tell them to mess the heck, mess out the heck with the, uh, the Zoomers. Pick on the Zoomers as much as possible. Um, find their meetings, crash their meetings. Uh, do whatever we can to just be a pain to the Zoomers. No, but now I'll say the biggest thing is, is just make the most of your experience with each other. You know, I think that's that's what's really what I love most about you know, about being part of the society. It's just the people that's in that's in the organization. You know, not only folks who were um, on grounds with me, but even alums that you know would come back. And we were able to hang out together and whatnot. You know, so you know, um, I heard Mighty B say when I was listening to the podcast you had with him about putting down your phones, and I would tell him the same thing. You no, know, hey. Put down your phones, hang out with one another, go to win together, go hiking together, you know, do Sunday fun day, 
you know, do all those things together that that really help build that friendship and build that bond. And, and what I say is family, because I know without a doubt, if a uh, former or you know, an imp reaches out to me and needs something, I'll drop whatever I'm doing to help them. And um, I hope that the current imps are doing have that same type of attitude um, towards us. That's awesome. You know, uh, part of me is sad that we weren't in school together because I think I would have had a ton of fun with you. The other part of me is really glad I wasn't in school with you because we would have had a lot of fun together. <laughs> <laughs> I say a lot of fun, probably would have caused some trouble. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. You know, it's like I, as the joke always goes in my genre, we're glad we didn't have cell phones back then with cameras on them. That's for sure. Yep. And uh, the funny thing is it was coming out right towards it when I was graduating, you know, so there's a couple of times where I'll tell some of my friends, take that picture down, take that picture down. <laughs> so there's some things I just can't have floating around social media. That's for sure. Devon, you're the man. Thanks so much for stepping up and joining us. I know you're going to reach out to Molly and Meredith, who you reached, who you mentioned in the uh, in this interview. Make sure that they get on here. We need to get uh, on a mail like a lot of males. So we need to get some females on here too. Cause they're, you, I mean, the males are fun to interview, but the females are way more fun to interview. So I think I'm just having flashbacks to my Biltmore days. So <laughs> Devon, thanks for joining man. me, man. You've been a blast. Now my pleasure, Tom. Thanks for the invite. It's been a great time. I look forward to you know, catching up more with you and the rest of the imps as well. Awesome. Take care. Too. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.